I'm excited for Christmas season 2022. It is going to be an exciting, you know, the next three Sundays starting today as we kick off officially for us the Christmas season as we kind of go through the stories, you know, backward to the to the beginning. It's exciting. I'm ex so excited this time of year. And what I want to start this morning may sound a little bit awkward, but you'll get it as we go along. I want to start with the word disturbed. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of that word disturbed. Have you heard of that word before? I'm disturbed right now. If you look in the dictionary defined, it means having had its normal pattern or function disrupted. Disturbed. And how many of us as people, as adults, as employees, as employers, bosses, as parents, as kids, have we ever been disrupted? And, and so that sometimes being disrupted will cause us to be disturbed. Having our normal pattern or function disrupted, or suffering or resulting from emotional and mental problems. There's been some disturbing events in 2022. If you Google what the United Nations says are the top five disturbing events of 2022, obviously we know COVID 19 for them, United Nations, the response, recovery. For the United Nations, second one is poverty reduction. For them, there's so much poverty that they've made a promise they don't want to leave anyone behind. The third one, climate control, this is a big deal. This is United Nations saying COVID-19, poverty, climate control, gender equality, and the growing humanitarian crisis and conflicts that are happening around the world. 274 million needed more aid, more food aid this year than uh, food because of the famine that is facing around the world. Hundreds of millions of children are caught in the epicenter this year of damaging health and hope, damaging so many things, insecurity and unrest on the rise. World Vision, their, their events for 2022, and they list it like this. Number one problem with our world today is hunger. The threat of starvation now faces 45 million people in 43 nations. The threat of starvation, 45 million people, 43 different nations, and... That doesn't include the malnutrition, right? So how many of us know it's nice to have good, clean drinking water? There's kids who don't have food, and nor do they have good, clean drinking water. So the rise of hunger and malnutrition is higher than it's ever been. World Vision says the second thing that is disrupted to them is the rise of crisis. There is more active conflicts today than any time since 1945. There is more active conflicts than anywhere since 1945. 82 million people living in refugee and displacement camps. 82 million people today living in refugee or displacement camps. Number three for World Vision is climate change. We see this is a common theme. If you just Google what are the top things that disrupt our country and our world today, number three, climate change. And they say that the rising sea levels, the changing seasons, the threat of new diseases and outbreaks affecting so many communities. That's why we keep driving our cars and flying our planes, right? Number four, child abuse. Other than conflict and, and uh, starvation, Child abuse has risen so high in 2022. 160 million kids are working today, and they're working for food, and some of the jobs that they're forced to have are not very pretty jobs. Kids are forced to have sex so they can feed their themselves and their family. 60% of kids today who are hungry, you know, 60% of the kids who are hungry 
they're married. They're getting married at a young age. And obviously not here in our world in the United States, but this is general around the world. And lastly, World Vision says for them, number five is COVID-19. The death, the mental health effects. The, the WHO, I don't know if you've heard of the WHO and the World Bank, says the pandemic has pushed a half a billion people into poverty. Over 100 million kids live in poverty today. So if you think of the definition again, disturbed, there are things that break our daily habits and patterns, and that disrupts us. And for people all around the world, it says for suffering, for emotional or mental problems in their head, is disturbing. And there's how many things that we've seen and just listed through, and you can Google through the World Health Organization, through the United Nations, through the World Vision, what do they list has been disturbing in 2022? Health, workplace issues, emptiness, friendship issues, failure, financial crisis, career pressure, unfair treatment. You know, for teens this year, self-esteem, body image, stress, depression, anxiety at an all-time high. Bullying, cyberbullying, cyber addiction. Addiction, right? That's a big one. Cyber addiction. And there could be some things that I've listed this morning that could disturb us. And one of the things that I think are important that how many of us know that wherever we live, it's kind of nice to know what goes on in our own house, right? How many of us, we like to know what goes on in our homes, in our rooms, in our refrigerator, you know, we want to know what's going on. But at the same time, we also should know what's going on in our world. And, and to know that for me that, you know, and by the time service is over, there'll be 100 kids that have died because they don't have food and malnutrition. Today, how many kids, unfortunately, are forced into sex slavery because they don't have any food? And this is a real problem around our world today. These are things to me that are really, truly disturbing. And one of the things that I found in life that, that blows me away you know, as a young kid, m many of you know that uh, all the different things that I went through, you know, I never liked public speaking when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I did like to, uh, you know, laugh, giggle, make my friends laugh, and do all kinds of crazy stuff to make them laugh. But when I was in high school, didn't want to do public speaking, and I didn't want to do really public speaking until, you know what? I found the reason to speak. And the reason for me to speak was what God gave me in his word. So many things today, and, and for all of us, the Bible is the best reason to speak, but there's so many other things that can disturb us, that should bother us, that we just don't take in and complain about it, that we do something about it. We should allow the things that bother us around the world, around our town, around our communities, and we should use it as fuel so that our voice is spoken loud and clear. If you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into Matthew as we start our Christmas story. Keep in the back of your mind the word disturbed, all that that means. Matthew 2, starting in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem. King Herod was deeply disturbed disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. 
Verse 4, he called the meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. He told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down. They worshipped him, and then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to King Herod. And so this morning, you know, every year, you know, the thought comes up, you, you pray and you ask God when you're, when you're sharing the word, what does God want me to say today? What does God want me to talk about? And we kick off this season and we kick off this story and so we, we see the wise men and how many times, you know, have we talked about the wise men and we've talked about them opening their treasure chests and all the things that they gave and gold and frankincense and myrrh. But today, I want to do something a little bit different. And I want to talk this morning, I actually want to talk about King Herod. King Herod in this story, I don't know if you heard, but when he heard from the wise men that there was a newborn king that was born, the king of the Jews, what did it say he was? He was deeply disturbed. And I asked myself, what would be so disturbing about the king of the Jews? What would be so disturbing in our minds that this Messiah, this newborn king, the Messiah, what would be so disturbing? What would be so disturbing for King Herod? What would bother him? What would it be in his head and his heart and his mind and his soul? The disturbing feeling, the troubling feeling that he heard that there was this newborn king, the Messiah, was born. Remember, disturbed, being defined, having normal pattern or function disrupted, suffering or resulting from emotional mental problems. What was he so troubled about? What was it the Messiah was going to do? What was it that Jesus was going to say? What was, it that, what was it that he was going to be about that just bothered King Herod? What was it? This was the very beginning. Jesus was a young boy at this point. When the wise men came to see Jesus, he was a little boy. He was, he was past baby, past infant. But what was it? There wasn't that much life lived yet. What was it about Jesus? What was it about the thought of the Messiah and the king that troubled him, that disturbed him. And I wonder, was it maybe what Jesus was coming to do? How many of us know that Matthew 9.35 says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of illness and disease. Matthew 8.16, that evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out all the evil spirits with a simple command. He healed all the sick. Matthew 4.23, Jesus traveling around again, teaching synagogues, announcing good news, and what? Healing every disease. Everywhere he went, it states that what did he do? He taught and he healed. So if you were to take what we know about Jesus and his ministry and what he was doing, should that be disturbing? 
Should that disturb, would, would that be, would the healing part of Jesus, would that disturb any of us? If any of us had a sickness this morning and all of a sudden we were instantly healed, would that, would that be disturbing to us? Would that disrupt, would that disturb my life if Jesus came and healed me somewhere in my heart, mind, and soul? Matthew 15, 29 says, Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and he climbed a hill and he sat down. A vast crowd brought to him people who were lame, blind, crippled, those who couldn't speak, and many others. They laid before him Jesus, and he healed them all. And the crowd was amazed. King Herod was troubled. And he was bothered because there was this guy coming. There's somebody who's coming. And I have to ask myself, what was it? Was it the healing part of Jesus that bothered him? Was it, the, was it um, the things that he said? And this morning I want to read some things that he said. And so maybe these are things that would bother people. John 6, 35, Jesus replied, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. How many of us would take that and say, okay, that sounds good. Jesus makes seven statements that I am something. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I think we could get behind that, right? John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once again. And he said, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. I think we could get behind that. I don't think that would bother us. John 10, 7 says, he explained to them, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. John 10, 11 says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will come to the Father except through me. John 15, 5 says, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're my branches. With those words, would that be anything that Jesus said in those statements that he was, those seven statements that I am this, I am bread, I am light, I am a gate, I am a shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, this is me, this is who I am. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Would that disturb any one of us? You know, maybe, maybe it was who the Messiah was going to hang out with. When Jesus came here in Mark 2.16, it says, when the teachers of religious law saw that and the Pharisees that Jesus was eating with, the, the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked him, why does, why, does, why does he eat with such scum? The Pharisees and religious leaders says, why does Jesus eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Matthew eleven nineteen. this is one of the shocker, the son of man. On the other hand, he feasts and he drinks. And he says, many people say he's a glutton and a drunkard. Jesus is a friend of a tax collectors and other sinners. Wisdom is shown right by what it does. Would it bother maybe certain people who Jesus hung around with when he was here? Jesus hung around people. He celebrated. He fellowshiped. He had a good time. Maybe that could cause somebody to be disrupted or disturbed by, by Jesus. Jesus said, Mark 2, 5, seeing their faith, your sins are forgiven. How would it feel if every one of our mistakes ever in life instantly, immediately forgiven? And you know what's crazy about Jesus 
when he said your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future, to know that every single thing that I've ever done, to know everything that I've ever said, anything that is behind me, in front of me, and right now, Jesus said, when I forgive you, when you ask for forgiveness, it is completely gone. I don't know about you, but I think that would feel pretty good, right? To know the forgiveness, the forgiveness of our God, to know that he forgives every single thing. Would anyone be disturbed to know that their sins are forgiven? Now, here's a few of the verses, and I think that this is where Jesus could start to disturb people. Luke 9, 23. He said to the crowd, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory. In the glory of the Father and the holy angels, I tell you the truth, some standing here will not die before they see the kingdom of God. And so now I'm going to read a few things that Jesus said. Now, to me, this could be disturbing because now this starts to interact with a lot of people's daily life. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, what do you say? Give up your way. If you want to be my follower... Take up your cross daily and follow me. He said, if you try to hang on your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, then you're going to find it. Ouch. Matthew 5.39, Jesus says, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other one as well. And so how many people would hear this verse? And how many people have ever made fun of Jesus because, ah, he's a softie. Right? He says, if someone hits you on the cheek, you got to turn to the other side. Oof. If you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give him your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Man. Now I, now I can start to see where Jesus starts disturbing people. Luke 6, 37. Do not judge others and you won't be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you'll be forgiven. Don't judge. Forgive. Be nice. Be kind. Turn your cheek. Give. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. You'll hate one, love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus had some pretty harsh things to say. But if we look at everything he did when he was here, it's pretty crazy. He loved people. He cared for people. He was compassionate. Was he firm? Was he strong? Was he soft? He was all those things, right? And so for King Herod in our story today, he hears that there's someone coming, and he was disturbed and he was troubled. And you know what the funny thing is? Many people have been disturbed and troubled ever since. Many people don't want to figure or don't want to take the time, or don't want to figure Jesus out, they would rather remain disturbed and bothered. Many people today, when they hear the story that Jesus, he says, I didn't come to serve, right? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, right? And if you're going to follow after me, you need to be a servant. All these things that he said in his appearance and who he hung out with and what he did and what he said, I can see how it could be disruptive. That's why there's religions today that they take 
different messages from every different religion and they combine it into one. It's all-you-can-eat buffet. People today, they want to pick and choose. You know, more than ever today, religions, the Bible, people want to pick and choose. I like what Jesus said, you know, that he has a reckless love and he's going to chase me down every single day. We can get behind that, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, we can get behind that one too. How many of us pick and choose the things that Jesus said, the things that sound right, the things that sound comfortable, or are we disturbed, kind of like King Herod, about the things that he said? Have we ever been bothered and troubled? And I think that when Jesus said, and I think this one for many is the hardest one of all, when he said, give up every single thing you have and follow me. There's a difference between believing and there's a difference between following. There's a difference. Everybody wants to be a believer. Everybody wants to ask Jesus in their heart and say, I want to go to heaven. And that's great because when we die, how many of us know, yes, we should want to go to heaven. I don't think we want to remain in hell for eternity being in suffering and pain and agony and all those things. So we should want to believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's what Paul says all we need to do. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. And that's where the beginning point is. But is that the end of just being saved? No, because Jesus said, what did he say? Come follow me. Come follow me. But in following me, and this is where it starts to be challenging, come follow me. And he says, when I'm asking you to follow me, you're going to taste heaven on earth. But in tasting heaven on earth, you know what you have to do? It starts by giving up every single thing. He says, you're not, you have to give up your life. And so I can see how that can be disturbing. And I can see how so many people today, we can get behind salvation. We can get behind healing. We can get behind prosperity. But could we get behind what truly he's asking us to do? To follow. To give up. To carry our cross. That is where the real blessing is. That is where everything falls into place. I grew up in church. Many of you know that. And there were, I can't tell you how many times I said the center of prayer as a kid. Probably 300 times, right? Because how many of us know as little kids, you know, when we're so rowdy and rambunctious and then we get a little older and we start doing little things that we shouldn't do. How many times we just say, God, forgive me. And I can't tell you how many times I said that sinner's prayer. But you know what? I didn't really get God. I didn't get it until I completely surrendered every single thing that I have and said, God, my entire life I'm going to give to you. No matter how many times I heard, no matter how many times I prayed as a kid, no matter how many times I said, God, forgive me, I didn't get it until I fully surrendered and said, Jesus, God, I'm ready now to follow. I'm ready now to follow with everything that I have. And then it started to make sense. If you look at Jesus, if you look at him coming to this earth, if you look at everything that he said and did and hung around, Yes, we can be on the side like King Herod. It's troubling. He's disturbing. Why? It's because of what he's asking of you. It's what he's asking of me. That's what could be disturbing. That's what could be troubling because we know all that he's going to ask. 
Is it any simple task to lay down your life? Is it any simple task to think that we have to do in part and symbolism what Jesus did for us, we need to do for him back? To lay down our life, to take up our cross and follow him? It's not. It's not. But I think we can get it. Disturbed, being defined, having a normal pattern or function disrupted. And you know what people have a problem with God today? Because they feel like they're, that God is disrupting their pattern. Disturbed, having a normal pattern or function disrupted. And how many people in our world today, globally, and I wrote through, I read through all the things in 2022, all the things that UNMN, the UN Nations, United Nations, right? And I read the things that even World Vision, and you can just Google the WHO, the World Bank, people who are pushing buttons all around our world, the things that are disturbing them. It's funny how anxiety, depression, starvation, all those things that are all-time high. What did Jesus do when he was here? Healed people? Fed people? So then are we following in, in his footsteps? If, if starvation is one of the biggest problems in our world today, if starvation and malnutrition is one of the biggest issues in our world today, what did Jesus do? He cared for people, he loved people, and then he fed people. Disturbed, having a normal pattern of function disrupted. How many of us have ever been a, a parent and kids so excited to tell us something, and as they're telling us, we're, we're busy and we're working. You know, I sell food for a living, so in the daytime, and, and sometimes even in the night I get calls from customers, right, and texts. And I can't tell you how many times my kids, unfortunately, have come to me and I've been busy, whether I'm on the phone taking an order, whether I've got a text message and i got to put an order in, and there's a time crunch. And so I, orders have to be in by a certain time. And some customers, they are demanding. They, they are not nice. They're not kind at all. Sometimes they threaten and cuss and all those things. And how many times my kids come to me and wanted to talk for a second, and it broke the pattern of what I was doing? How many times have we been in a situation where something, we're in a pattern, and we're in a mode, and a normal function, and something comes and disrupts us? And then I wonder as a person, how many of us have ever felt, wait, God's getting a little too personal. There's things in my life I don't want him to touch. And I can see why King Herod said he was so deeply disturbed because they knew that Messiah was coming. You know, for many of them, when they heard that the Messiah was coming, they thought he was going to come and he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and he was going to save the Jews and he was going to establish this whole new kingdom and he was going to be like this awesome, you know, soldier and he was going to be buff and he was going to be tough and he was going to be so courageous. And Jesus was all of those things. And being tough and courageous, but he also was loving and kind and forgiving and saving and healing and ministering and relentlessly going after every single person saying, God loves you. God forgives you. God heal you. Jesus, every single day that he spent ministering and caring for people and serving people and feeding people. For the religious people and the teachers of the law, they couldn't understand it. And nor did they want to. 
They could never see Jesus. It troubled them and it disturbed them as well. They could not see Jesus for who he was. How many of us, I don't know about you, but how many of us have ever heard Jesus was a nice guy? Jesus, I could get behind Jesus being a teacher. There's a few things that he taught that I love. There's a few things that he said. One of, the, one of my favorite Christian heroes, Keith Green, he started there. And I've heard over and over again many people who start by saying they will accept a part of Jesus, but they don't accept all of Jesus. I will accept the things that I like, what he said. But when he gets too demanding, that's where it becomes disruptive. Jesus said, if you look at somebody with lust, you should pluck out your eye. Does that sound like something we should do? Right? Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, what did he say? Chop it off. Man, Jesus was ferocious at times. How many of us have ever looked at somebody lustfully and how many of us we walk around blind today? Crazy. The things that Jesus said. So we could see how he would be disturbing. We could see how that could disrupt our life. And we can see how many people today in our world, they want to accept a part of Jesus, but not all of Jesus. Jesus, God, he said what? I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, how many of us, when we think about ourselves for a second, and I think this morning all of you in here, you are wonderful you're awesome. You're amazing. I think I look at you, you look at me, and we say, we're the best of Hemet, right? Don't we look at ourselves and say, we are the best of Hemet. How many of us, when we get friends, when we have friends, when we're in relationships, how many of us know that relationships and friendships, one of the things that it's based on is accepting each other and all that it is? How many of us know in marriage, right? Having marriage, having been married and being a spouse, you accept that person no matter how or what they do with the toilet paper, no matter how or what they do with the toothpaste, right? No matter if I make a mess or clean it up after myself, right? How many of us know that when you're married, you want your spouse to accept everything? But why is it when it comes to spiritual things, ah, now we get picky? Have you ever noticed that? Why is it when it comes to these bodies, you need to be accepting of everything that I have. But when it comes to spiritual matters, that's where we all start getting picky. I will take this book. That's my favorite, but I'm going to toss this one over here. I'm going to take this verse here, but I'm going to get rid of this one over here. I want to be accepted. I think that you want to be accepted. We want people to be so picky when it comes to us. So then why are we being picky with God? And so this season, the thing that I want to ask you is, King Herod this morning, he was deeply disturbed. And he brings up that word because he knew that Jesus would break the pattern. He knew that Jesus was going to break and change life. He didn't know all that it meant at that moment. He didn't know everything that was going to happen. He just knew that change was coming. The religious leaders and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they knew that if the Messiah was born and he was here, they knew change and something was going to happen. 
They knew that all of a sudden everything in the past and seasons were going to change. The time was going to change. They knew that when they heard from these wise men, these were rich, wealthy, well-respected wise men who had a large caravan of people who traveled with them from Persia all the way to Jerusalem. They saw in the stars the sign that said there was this newborn king, the Messiah. And so they followed the star. They wanted to pay respects to the newborn king. And no one really knew what was about to happen. No one really knew all the things that Jesus would do and say and the people that he would hang out with. And that God himself would have come to us in flesh. That God would leave heaven, come to the earth to be born a baby. No one really understood all the things. Just like many of us today, we still don't kind of understand all the things. And many today are still disturbed. But I, I really feel in my heart, with all my heart, mind, and soul, everyone truly knows that this is the story. But they want to be like King Herod and just remain disturbed. Well, if I do too much, it's going to break the pattern. The things I want to do, the things I want to hide. This season in 2022, we have an awesome and amazing opportunity to talk about Jesus. In this season and in this time and the next few weeks leading all up to Christmas, this is the most beautiful time of year. It's the greatest time of year to celebrate, to celebrate life, to celebrate friendship, to celebrate love, to celebrate going on dates, right, to celebrate eating and Christmas parties and all of the wonderful things that are going to happen in this season and gift giving and receiving, all the wonderful things that we like to do with hanging up lights and tearing them down, Christmas trees. This is such a beautiful time of year to stop and say, you know what? I want my Christmas this year to be different than it was last. And is there anything, God, in me that I have not let you, I have not let you in that part of my life because I felt like you were disrupting me and it would disrupt my pattern. This year, how many people all over the world, the next time we talk to a friend and it's like, ah, you should come to church. Well, if I come to church, uh, I don't know. I don't know about Jesus. I don't know. You know, honestly, every single person knows, I think, all that he's asking. And it's one of the biggest things that keeps people from coming through the doors today. You know, today I was listening to, this past week, a podcast. 50 to 80% of churches have, have not recovered from after COVID. Churches around the whole entire world, 50 to 80% down from where they used to be. People have become more selfish. People have become more self-consumed. People have, have said, you know what, I'm not going to give and sacrifice the way that I used to. I'm not going to just go to church and do this and do this like I used to. COVID changed things for people. It changed people's mindsets, the disasters, the death. And it's put people in more of a survival mode today than ever before. I need to protect me. I need to protect what I want more than ever. And so around our world, there's this crisis. And so as we talk to people, I want to encourage you this season, ask people, if you can't accept Jesus, do you want to be accepted as a person? Do you want to be loved as a person? Do you want to be taken care of as a person? You don't want others to be picky with you. Then stop being picky with God. Stop being picky with God. 
because God has so many things in plan, in mind, wonderful things, and it starts. What did Jesus do? We read most of the, what did he do while he was here? He taught, he healed, he loved, and he fed. Real simple things. I'm excited for 2023 because it's right around the corner, and I'm excited what God has given me to start this new year with. But before we start a new year, what do we need to do? We need to finish this year out on a good side. We have three beautiful weeks to do something good for God. We have three beautiful weeks to make something good and right in relationships and asking for forgiveness and letting relationships be healed, right, with parents, with families, with marriages, with friends. We have an opportunity the next three weeks to ask for forgiveness and beg for forgiveness and ask for healing and look for healing. In the last three weeks, we have an opportunity to tell people and friends about Jesus that maybe we've never wanted to before because it is the season. And I think when it's the Christmas season, it's the easiest season to talk about God, right? This is the easiest time because it's Christmas. It's the time that we celebrate. The verse that I closed with this morning, Matthew 2, verse 9 says, and this was the end of our story this morning. After the interview, the wise men went their way. The star that they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with so much joy. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These men were well-respected everywhere they went. These men were, were looked up to. They were known all over because they were famous astrologers from Persia. These men were wise. That's why they're called the wise men. These men, anywhere they went, they had people following them. They were popular. They had people snapping pictures on their cameras and sending it and posting it everywhere because they were so awesome and amazing. But no matter how awesome and amazing they were, no matter how many kings around this time and in this place asked for their help, no matter how much people needed and wanted them and looked to them, when they saw a star in the heavens that said, there is a newborn king king of the Jews, the Messiah is born. What did they do? They stopped their life. They said, I got to go pay my respects to this guy. And they came and they followed. They traveled hundreds of miles to see this. And as soon as they see Jesus as a little boy, what did they do? They bowed down. How do rich people bow down? How do wise men who are who are well-liked and loved by everywhere. These men are well-respected. How do these men in their fancy robes get and see a little boy and bow down to a little boy? How did they open up a treasure chest and give gold, frankincense, and myrrh? And it says they worshiped him. Worship in, in reverence that, man, this is this kid. I don't know what all he's going to do. Knowing, knowing that something special was here. You know what these guys did? They gave their very best. And this morning, that's all God's asking. As the wise men gave their best, best, that's all God's asking of us. Just give me your best. It's not just about believing. It's not just believing, but it's following. Stop being picky. And accept all my words. Accept all that I did. Accept all that I said. Accept all that I gave. Accept it. Believe it. And follow it. 
and just give me your best. That's all I'm asking for. Let's pray.